0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables.
2: Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Before we start the program today, let me take a moment to welcome members of our military who are joining us from remote locations around the world and also our many international listeners. Not only is the Costa Report broadcasting over affiliate stations throughout the United States, you can also catch us on Voice America, Apple iTunes, on the Internet, and download episodes from our website at RebeccaCosta.com. In fact, I can't think of a place on the planet where you can't get your weekly fix of the Costa Report. We have a a once-in-a-lifetime program for you today, coming off the heels of a very divisive year of partisan politics, well... I felt it was important to invite an individual who can bring us together once again. My guest is often referred to as the greatest pilot of all time, but to those who have had the honor of knowing and serving with General Chuck Yeager, he stands for much more than that. He's a living example of American honor, courage, and tenacity." Now, there's been a lot written about General Yeager, but what you may not know is that the general came from humble beginnings. He was born on a farm in Myra, West Virginia, one of five children. And when he was 18, he became an aircraft mechanic in the U.S. Air Force, mainly because he was too young to qualify for flight school. But a few months later, at the start of World War II, the age requirement was changed. And that, along with his exceptional 2010 eyesight, allowed Jaeger to earn his wings from Luke Field in Arizona. From there, he trained as a fighter pilot in Nevada and later joined the 363rd Fighter Squadron. The rest is military history. Jaeger proved to be one of the greatest pilots our military had experienced, breaking records such as shooting down five enemy aircraft in a single mission. But what many of you know General Yeager for is his historic record of breaking the sound barrier in the rocket-powered Bell X-1 in October 1947, a story memorialized in the movie The Right Stuff. Yeager had broken two ribs while he was horseback riding the day before this historic flight. Uh, The fact is, he should have never climbed into that plane. He hid the injury from everyone. In fact, he was so worried that the news would get out that he went to see a veterinarian about the injury. You've heard me talk about the lost art of suffering in silence, and in my view, this is one of the characteristics that has solicited such respect from both sides of the aisle for General Yeager. But as the old saying goes, you cannot keep a good man down. This October, on the anniversary of breaking the sound barrier, some 65 years later, he broke another record. At 89 years of age, he hopped into an F-14 and broke the sound barrier again. It's my privilege to welcome to the Costa Report A man who has proven time and time again that the most efficient leadership is to lead by example. General Chuck Yeager. Welcome to the program, General.
3: Thank you, Rebecca.
2: In uh, just a moment, we're going to be talking about your latest book, In the Cockpit, with Chuck Yeager. But before we do, let me just start by saying that this has not only been a divisive year in terms of the presidential election, but the economy and media have also caused the country to become very polarized. So coming from a patriot who is admired from both sides of the aisle, tell me what this divisiveness is really all about, and what do we need to do to come together as a country again
3: well i don't I don't know uh, if i you know if I didn't know I'd be the president, <laughs> but that's well many people goes. think you should be <laughs> well <laughs> the means th- the main thing is you know is patriotism, you know, and I, that's the way I look at it when I enlisted in the Air Corps when I was eighteen years old he, that gave me. I was always taught to honor my flag and my country, uh, even as a kid. You know, at ten or twelve years old. And uh, when I got in the military, that sort of guided me. And that—that uh, that I think we need more of today. We've got a lot of uh, guys that are serving their country, uh, but and there's also a lot of people that don't appreciate it, and it's unfortunate.
2: But I think over time you'd agree that something has changed in our country. How can we redefine patriotism for people who maybe didn't go through World War II or Vietnam? How do we communicate that?
3: Well, you almost have to start from the beginning. Uh, and what I mean is you almost have to start in schools. Uh, just like I said, you know, I was taught to honor my flag in my country when I was about, you know, seven or eight years old. And uh, that, that to me is the answer of getting people patriotic. And it, that's the biggest thing we can do.
2: but we have a situation now where you can't even ask kids to say the pledge of allegiance in school. when I, When I was in school, I, I don't know about you, but that's how we started our school day.
3: Well, that day's exactly right. and who you who has the right to say that we can't do that?
2: Well, the government. I mean, they they've made a law that you cannot require children to even stand or or offer the pledge of allegiance at the beginning of the school uh, day. Uh, in fact, you are not even allowed to allow silence for a moment of personal prayer or meditation.
3: Well, you know, I, I my answer is you shut the damn schoolhouse door and do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, well, you know why why am I not surprised that that's how you would handle it? Well, that's why people want leaders like you to take control. So let me ask a different question here: Do yeah. Americans still have the right stuff and and what is the right stuff?
3: yeah well basically uh that that's a good question <laughs> and I, and i've I've been asked that a lot of times i don't I don't know i I can't describe the right stuff. It just means that you do what is right. And do it, do it all the time, and that's the way. I, as i mentioned before, uh, it's really too bad that kids they aren't taught more about their flag and their country, and it's, 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 it's bad. I don't know how to correct it. Uh, I think, uh, hopefully, we've elected some officials that will. You. Know? hmm
2: hmm But you do have some strong feelings that this all starts when you're young.
3: That. That's a thing, and like I mentioned, when I was about anywhere from nine to ten years old in school, every morning we said we pledge of allegiance, just like we do in the military, and uh, that's way you 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 educate young kids.
2: We have grown to be a country that wants to respect diversity. We want to respect uh, immigrants that come into our country and uh, still identify with their former country, such as many uh, Latinos and Hispanics that come into the country. Uh, They want to take advantage of the economic opportunities in the United States. But when you ask them which country they identify with, they don't really want to become United States citizens. They really don't want to assimilate. They really identify with their homeland. Um, that seems to be a big change that's occurred uh, in immigration in our in the United States. Would you agree?
3: Well, I agree. Uh, when I was, you know, in, m- many years ago, uh, uh, Jackie Cochran was a, a lady pilot, a very good friend of mine. I used to visit them down in Indio, and they had uh, probably, oh, a half a dozen uh, people of, of Mexican origin and uh I I learned that those people are very very dedicated, yes. and uh, it's what I do Mr. Olive and Jackie Calkins, uh, it it showed me that there's a way of, of accepting your environment when you you your work like the people that come from Mexico. They get dedicated, they do a good job, and uh, it's you know it just makes you feel good to work with them.
2: Do you feel like we've gone too far I, I in making it no. easy for them to maintain their own culture
3: here? Well, I would say maintain your own culture because that, that's the way you're raised.
2: So you you don't see a problem with the fact that they would not want to learn English as their primary language or uh, find a pathway to citizenship?
3: Well, if the, the, what you have to realize, and, and I, I've faced it many times being straight, you know, stationed in a foreign country like Germany and Pakistan and places like that. So I have to learn the language. And uh it's not difficult. And uh, the Mexican people do very well. And they be, they really begin to mix their home language with, with the U.S. language. Mm-hmm. And it, it just takes them a while to get used to it.
2: Okay, well, we have to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about breaking the sound barrier twice in 65
4: years. You're listening to the Costa Report. There's no question that selling a home can be a tricky business when the economy is uneven. But here's a little bit of good news. Not only are financing options opening up, America's love affair with the Monterey Peninsula still continues. Homes that are priced and marketed right are moving. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner broker of Alon Panel Realtors in Carmel. Where we're happy to report that inventories are coming down and homes are selling. So, if you're getting ready to sell or listing your home, call Alon Panel Realtors in Carmel at 831-622-1040 or stop by our offices on the corner of Ocean and Dolores. Or our main office on Unipero between fifth and sixth in downtown Carmel. Alan Panel Realtors, serious brokers for serious sellers.
2: and we listened. The new and improved paperback edition of The Watchman's Rattle is now available in bookstores everywhere, including airports across the country. If you've been hemming and hawing about not having time to go online or pick up a copy, well, now you don't have any excuses. Find out why government gridlock, terrorism, epidemic obesity, crime on Wall Street, even problems with education and health care have an evolutionary basis to them, because when you do, you'll never look at our problems the same way. So pick up the freshly printed paperback edition of the watchman's rattle don't wait do it now give yourself a real reason to feel optimistic that's the watchman's rattle available everywhere you are
1: Join us at Severino's Bar and Grill for a Thanksgiving to remember. Preparing the finest fresh food to make your Thanksgiving complete, this tantalizing buffet starts at noon and goes till 6 p.m. and features juicy hand-carved turkey, honey-glazed ham, Angus dry tip succulent leg of lamb, award-winning clam chowder, assorted salads, desserts, and much, much more. This delectable feast is priced at $32 for adults, 16 for children 10 and under, and children under the age of 4 are free. So book now. Call 831-688-8987.
5: Welcome to Automated Computer Services, America's most drawn-out tech support line. One moment, please.
1: At any time during this recording, you may press the 5 key, should you feel so inclined. Press 1 for Spanish, 2 for Bushman, 4 for a remote dialect in Peru, 5 for English, 6. If you know your party's extension, please wait for your opportunity to dial it. If you'd like to speak with a human, you've called the wrong number. If you've reached this message after hours, please return to the secondary main sub menu by pressing the pound key seven times, followed by the eight key. If you feel you've reached this recording in error, we wish you better luck next time.
0: Tired of unfriendly computer support? If you're having a computer problem, call the friendly computer experts at User-Friendly Computing. Viruses? Spyware? No problem. We take care of all your PC, Macintosh, and laptop needs. Visit us today at 505 River Street on the way to downtown Santa Cruz, across from Gateway Plaza. Call us today at 423-9653. User-Friendly Computing.
1: Tune in to the Sentinel Radio Program Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on AM1080 KSCO. Brought to you by First Church of Christ Scientist Monterey. Come into our Christian Science Community Reading Room and Bookstore and find comfort from the challenges you're facing. We have the resources that will connect you with your God-given substance. Find help now. Our address is 780 Abrego Street in Monterey. Reach out for this help today. Come in and visit or call 831-372-5076. 372-5076.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and our guest today is aeronautical and military hero, General Chuck Yeager. And before we heard from our sponsors, you were talking about the fact that you see that when immigrants come to the United States, they make every effort to assimilate, to learn the language and to be part of the American culture. So let's switch gears here for a moment let's go back 65 years ago and here you are with two broken ribs and you climb into the x1 and you do something that no human had ever done before at a time when scientists were predicting that this would cause clocks to start turning backwards and you obviously didn't let anyone know that you were in excruciating pain so looking back was that the right thing to do
3: well well, sure, because I did it. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to a stubborn, stubborn guy now. <laughs> um, the main thing was uh, the only the only thing that was happening when I broke two ribs out riding horseback riding with with Clintus, uh at Jack at uh, Poncho Barnes' ranch over there when when I we hit the gate and I, I flew off my horse and broke two ribs. Then the next day, I got a hold of Jack Ridley, and, and Jack, I said, I was hurting pretty bad because Glennis stuck me to a, a veterinarian to set my ribs. I wouldn't go to the stupid Air Force doctor.
2: Now, why did you me. not want to go to the Air Force doctor?
3: they ground you. <laughs> See, you can't fly. I said, I'll, I'll make a decision as to whether I can fly or not, and that's just the way I am. <laughs> And I talked to Jack, and we we got in the the, the X1 had a door handle that uh, kind of raised up like a bank vault, and uh, what I did, I couldn't close that handle with my right side because it, it hurt too bad uh, because I had two broken ribs where it. So he, he he got a broomstick and sawed off a piece of broomstick about about uh, fifteen inches long. He said, "Now you stick us in the door handle and use your left hand." <laughs> and I got in the X one, and, and Jack brought the door down and held it in, and I closed it, and it worked. And so, so that, you
2: jerry-rigged the door with a part of a broomstick.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes, you know. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, my my father started out as a pilot in the Air Force before he joined the CIA. And, you know, looking back in hindsight, one of the things I discovered was how he and the pilots that he worked with, they have an insatiable desire to learn and also a tendency to minimize the danger they were facing. They never really talked about it. Actually, they were sort of matter of fact about it. And this was part of their culture. They just set danger aside and they were just interested in getting the job done. And it wasn't until many years later that I realized that this is what allowed them to accomplish great things. So would you say that's true about you, General? I get the feeling that you have a tendency to just set the danger aside and, and you're more focused on getting the job done.
3: Yeah, and uh, there's a little bit of stubbornness in me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, you know, they, they make rules, like we used to say, they make rules to be broken. So that's that's how... When I uh, was flying combat missions uh, in the in the Mustang against the Germans, uh, I I had the advantage over a lot of the other pilots in the squadron, and that was I had a visual acuity that was that was outstanding. I had twenty tenths in each eye, and I could spot the enemy, uh, you know, you know another ten or fifteen miles before the rest of the pilots could, and that gave me a big advantage, and they, that that's a you know it's just lucky to have things like that.
2: Absolutely, you were born with a tremendous visual advantage, particularly for the profession that you elected to go into. Uh, how much of that focus and that visual acuity do you think had to do with as a youngster hunting or doing things that really required your uh, your vision?
3: Well, a visual acuity uh, is more or less hereditary, mm-hmm. like. My mom, when she was 94 years old, pick up a newspaper and read it without glasses. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just one of those things It's hereditary. And uh, I still have 2015s in each eye, so I'm lucky. And I don't wear glasses. So. And, uh, that's, you know, that's hereditary.
2: Talk to me a little bit about the culture of pilots when, you know, when you were serving in the military. They're, they're their own breed of people, aren't they?
3: Well, sure, they're a little bit proud. Uh, I the main thing is, you know, you you have like a visual acuity that is outstanding. Now, what does that do? That gives you the ability to spot an enemy aircraft, you know, twenty-five or thirty miles away, and then you can set yourself up in a tactical advantage and and clobber him. Mm-hmm. Today, of course, with radar and uh, and uh, all of the the help we have in in airplanes like the F-15, we are still. Yeah, I think you made a mistake. Earlier in our conversation, you mentioned an F-14. Mm-hmm. I was flying an F-15.
2: Oh, you were in an F-15. Is that right?
3: The F-14 is a Navy fighter. <laughs> but right. I'll, give you, I'll forgive you for that.
2: <laughs> well, I shouldn't make any mistakes with any generals. In fact, they, they warned me. They said, listen, you know, you're going to be talking to a general. You better get your facts yeah. right. So uh, it's very interesting that uh, among the pilots that you were mentioning, the physical acuity was really important. Now with all the uh, electronics and and uh, drones and things that we have, how important is that today?
3: It's still good because radar. I'll tell you what's out there. Uh, you know what what is it? And uh, your visual acuity will say it's an enemy or you know a friendly. It's uh, it's. It's it's important, and uh, I really, you know, even flying today, uh, I still have the ability of looking at things that other guys would love to see.
2: But I think that in addition to that, you had instincts. You, you were very uh, good at connecting the dots and reacting uh, rather quickly. Um, one question I do want to ask you uh, before we let this segment get away from us is that I know that you've been asked about Felix Bumgartner's record of becoming the first person to break the speed of sound outside of an aircraft. Joe
3: Kissinger, ten years ago, jumped out of a balloon at 104,000 feet. This guy did nothing that had not already been done.
2: I knew about Joe Kittinger, and I and I read recently that you were interviewed and uh, you had brought up Kittinger, the fact that uh, he had attempted the same uh, phenomena as well. And I was kind of happy that you had given a nod to Joe Kittinger because I think a lot of people had forgotten about him.
3: That's exactly right. And he didn't attempt. He did it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad, too bad that... The, the news has such short memories, you know. Why did
2: they report it as the first time that uh, someone had achieved speeds of 700 miles an hour?
3: I'll tell you what, they're a little bit dumb.
2: <laughs> well, they're probably like me. They get a few facts wrong, and they need the general to step in and correct them.
3: That's right. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, Joe did, and he helped. He helped this other guy did it.
2: Right and again once again the scientists were wrong we we thought we would know what would happen uh when you broke the sound barrier we also thought we knew what would happen when Joe Kittinger Uh, broke the sound barrier and also Felix Bumgardner and uh, I'm a scientist and I will say uh, once again we've been proven wrong and that's good because uh, that moves our our collective knowledge forward now we have to take another short break and uh, before we do I want to remind the audience that they can follow you on your website at chuckyeager.com and also on Twitter at Jen Chuck Yeager that's G-E-N Chuck Yeager you're listening to the Costa Report Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, and I'm here to tell you about a family that has been producing old-school premium wines in California for longer than I have been on the radio. They started small with only one goal, to produce limited lots that rival the best wines in the world. And they have never drifted from that goal. So this holiday, take my word for it and check out Caraccioli's premium Brut, Brut Rose, Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay. They make a welcomed gift. And if you're near their tasting room in downtown Carmel, stop by and sample the wines. Caraccioli family has been perfecting for generations. That's Caraccioli Cellars. Don't forget that name because these are wines that you're going to be hearing a lot more about. And from the Caraccioli family to you, have a happy and safe holiday.
5: You'd be surprised how many people drive the hill to shop at North Bay Ford in Santa Cruz. I'm Bobby Robinson. North Bay Ford is a locally owned dealership with low overhead, friendly, small town values and great deals on new and pre-owned cars, trucks and RVs. Get this! Bobby's Deal of the Week at North Bay Ford.
1: You can stop worrying about gas prices because with the all new 2013 Ford C-Max Hybrid, you'll get 47 miles per gallon city and highway. Yes, 47 miles per gallon. All three models of the New C-MAX come with Ford's 2-liter hybrid electric powertrain. Electronically controlled continuous variable transmission and electric power-assisted steering. You'll get 47 miles per gallon. And turn Prius drivers green with envy when you drive up in a new Ford C-MAX hybrid.
5: When you need a quality pre-owned economy car, a new family car, or a fleet of powerful new Ford trucks, look first to your friends and neighbors at locally owned North Bay Ford, 1999 Soquel Avenue, or on the web at northbayford.com.
0: If electricity flows through it, You can save a lot of money by doing it yourself with the help of the experts at Santa Cruz Electronics. Hello, Charlie Friedman here. Listen to the things your friends and neighbors are doing for themselves with the help of Santa Cruz Electronics. Xbox 360 repair.
5: Solar energy kits. Musical Tesla coil. Video output for my home media center. Building a new server. Repairing a student radio station. More RAM and a sound card.
0: DSL line. Network printing, scanning, and faxing for dentists.
5: Replacing antivirus on 12 machines.
1: Wireless network for court reporter agency
5: diagnosing sound card problem
1: building a five kilowatt amplifier ham radio antenna
0: if electricity flows through it you can save a lot of money by doing it yourself with the help of the experts at santa cruz electronics voted best electronics store two years running call santa cruz electronics today at 831-479-5444 or visit at 2808 socal avenue in santa cruz do it yourself and save money with the help of santa cruz electronics
3: got me a drink of some mmm pollen burgers Mm. mmm mmm tastes better than Tang. tank with me I'm gonna slow up mmm refreshing cool hey want some flowerpowerdrink.com all together now (laughs) (laughs) flowerpowerdrink.com
1: yummy Every Saturday at 12 noon, listen to Perspectives, the radio program that brings you a variety of topics.
0: Good afternoon. You've tuned in to the Perspectives radio show. My name is Donald Davidson. I'm
3: your host, and joining me will be Dr. David Biles, our regular guest host,
1: every second and third Saturday of the month. Join us for the next Perspectives, 12 noon to 1 o'clock every Saturday on KSCO.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm here today with General Chuck Yeager. And before the break, we were talking about Joe Kittinger breaking the record for um, actually going faster than the speed of sound uh, without an aircraft. So moving right along, uh, I don't think that many people know that you spent a considerable amount of time living in Pakistan and that you claim to look very fondly on that time. Is that right, General?
3: Yes, I was transferred down there from Germany Uh, primarily I was the only American pilot with the the Pakistan Air Force and I was sent there to fly with them because I had flown all of the airplanes that they were using to fight the Indians and I also had flown all the Indian airplanes that they were using to fight the Pakistan and it was interesting they were some of the best pilots I think I've ever flown with and uh, it was interesting I, I enjoyed hunting I enjoyed the people and uh, the country. It, you know, when you can take off in a F-86 and fly up uh, to K-2 at 32,000 feet and sit there and look up, look up at a mountain, that's really flying.
2: <laughs> well, that's dangerous flying.
3: Well, no, no, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you don't stick your neck out like that. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, to K2 and Mount Everest you yes. know up around thirty six thousand feet it, that's that's really really interesting country
2: absolutely uh so when you see what's happening now between the United States and Pakistan, h- how do you feel about that
3: i i I get a little angry because basically the relationship with the country depends a lot on the embassy and the ambassador mm. and the ambassador's staff. And they've got the sorriest thing ambassador and ambassador staff in Pakistan that I you know, it I just get mad and they they don't understand people.
2: Now, why do you say it's the sorriest uh, ambassador? Because I happen to agree that ambassadors represent the United States, and depending on their understanding of the culture and the people and what will motivate them as an ally, uh, we either have a good relationship or we don't. And the idea of carrots and sticks isn't nearly as important as building a um, a, a personal relationship. So what makes you feel that our, our ambassador in Pakistan is not getting the job done.
3: I've been there, and uh, in fact, I was there about three months ago. And uh, and the embassy would not give me a visa to Pakistan, so I went anyway. And all of my Pakistan friends that I flew with, you know, just took me around Pakistan. Never said a damn word to the the American embassy, and that's good. That's where it should be.
2: And and what was their feeling about the relationship with the United States?
3: They they uh, are a little bit disappointed because the the people the in the embassy all are interested only in their own well-being and the well-being of their servants if their servants aren't happy they aren't happy you know
2: so is pakistan in your opinion an ally of the united states or not
3: yes and uh, yes it is it could be more of an ally if if our embassy would react, you know, accordingly.
2: And what does our embassy need to do?
3: I think they should get it a little closer to the people of Pakistan and uh, and uh, meet with them. And like like I was out there with Malik Atah, Mohammed Khan, a guy that I had known back in 71, 2, and 3, and hunted with, and he was, he was a wonderful friend. And I have a lot of friends in Pakistan. The embassy could have a lot of pa- friends in Pakistan if they weren't so arrogant.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've heard this uh, from more than one person that has visited Pakistan, that there's a separation between us and the actual uh, population there. Um, what's got me and a lot of other folks confused is that if we're giving millions and millions of dollars of aid to a country and calling them our ally, then why did we have to keep it a secret from an ally that we were going into their country to get Osama bin Laden? I I mean, why would we operate that way with an ally?
3: You're right. You're right. You know, and there's probably no answer to it. They're just too damned arrogant.
2: I'm very curious about it because we publicly claim that Pakistan is helping us and yet when it came time to go after Osama bin Laden, we did not let the government know. They were standing there with egg on their face. We went into a foreign country with no authorization from them and took someone out rather than uh, asking for their help and doing this jointly. Wouldn't that have been a better idea?
3: Yep, you're right, 100%. And it's really too bad that we are so arrogant and so distrustful of foreign countries, you know. And it's their country we live in. It's their country that, you know, we should be honoring honoring their rights.
2: And yet what's happened in Libya has seemed to make our embassies even more distant. Um, Well, I
3: think it's a matter... A lack of a, a lack of knowledge on our country's part, uh, in, including the Secretary of State. You know,
2: what is your feeling about the situation in Benghazi, Libya?
3: Well, I, I've served in the wheelers field many many times, taking my squadron down there for gunnery training. Uh, you have to, you know, I can only say that they are lacking in relationship or friendship with the country.
6: Mm -hmm. So
2: given your leadership and your experience on the ground in so many countries, if you had to sum it all up, what is it that Americans should be most proud of, and how can we deliver that message abroad in a way that doesn't feel manipulative?
3: Well, basically, is get to know the people and be friendly with them. You know, you can't Get into a country like that, like when we had we had more friends over there, and I still have more friends with their Air Force. Most of them are retired now, the air marshals, and uh, but they they were the like as I mentioned, really good pilots, and I I, I thought I looked at it as an honor to serve with them, and uh, they were decimating the Indians pretty bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're you're one of those breeds that really, when you go into another country, you show such respect for their talents and their culture. Having grown up in Japan after the war, I, I lived there for 15 years. There was a case where after the war, we seemed to build a very strong ally and strong relationship. We did something different there than we do
3: now. Yep.
2: And I don't know what it is.
3: Well, basically, it's drawing back in within your shell and not becoming friendly with your host. You know, when you're in a country, you're there as a guest, just like we are there as a guest in Pakistan. And you should honor that, being a guest.
2: But we don't treat it like we're a guest. Well, well, <laughs>
3: Hey, you said it, I didn't,
2: yeah,, uh, I know, I know, and it's it creates a problem we we feel like we're there um to i I don't really know we're i guess we feel like we're there to tell them how they should run their country
3: that's, that's probably so, and how wrong can you get, huh?
2: And then we wonder
3: why they're they're not friendly
2: toward us, and you know we can't we can't seem to get any traction. So I I wonder what these ambassadors you say they need to go make friends. Maybe, maybe they're too afraid. I, I'm not really sure.
3: Well, I don't. You know, I I haven't got all the answers. But the one thing that I noticed those people that got along with the Pakistans when I was there, uh, including myself, was because I honored. You know who they were, and what they stood for. And uh, I I was sent there to fly with their Air Force to assist them in the war with India, and they appreciated that.
2: Yes, they did. And now we have to take our last break back with General Chuck Yeager. You're listening to the Costa Report.
5: Just about everyone knows that fruits and vegetables are good for our health, but not everyone knows how to build a healthier plate. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. For each meal, nutrition experts recommend filling half of your plate with fruits and veggies. Whether it's fresh berries with your breakfast cereal, a wrap filled with your favorite roasted vegetables for lunch, or a medley of crunchy veggies for a pre-dinner nibble, Dole provides the freshest and highest quality produce available. When you load up on all the nutritional good stuff, you give your meal an instant boost of color, flavor, and texture, plus vitamins and minerals and fiber. Everything your body needs to succeed. For nutritional inspiration and to learn more about Dole's fresh, whole, and cut vegetables and a full line of berries, visit Dole.com. With Dole as your partner in health, the possibilities are endless. Visit Dole.com.
2: the holiday season is in full swing and i know how important it is to select just the right gift for the people you love that's why this year i want to suggest something that won't end up in the closet or garage the new paperback edition of the watchman's rattle has just hit bookstores everywhere in fact for those of you true last minute shoppers you can even pick up a copy at the airport that's right right there at the airport at any one of the Hudson bookstores. So this year, give the book that explains how we can fix our current economic worries and make life fun again. Give the Watchman's rattle. And while you're at it, pick up a copy for yourself. You'll be glad you did.
1: It's all about old Santa coming
3: Christmas
0: Eve to answer many letters that you can't believe. The faces of the kids are Things that last. Hi folks, Warren Knox here of Knox Roofing. Yes, things that last. Like, there's enough junk in the world, so ask yourself, do I need it? And will it last? Like, your favorite hat, good friends, great relationships, your old car. Maybe ailments, experiences, and emotions can last. Heartbreaks can last. Broken body parts can last. Gold can last. But then there's companies like Kellogg's, KSCO Radio, Caterpillar, Ford, Heinz Ketchup. Is it ketchup or Cassup? Never knew that one. They've all lasted. Hey, what about a good roof installed by Knox Roofing? Now there's something that will last. Okay, give us a call at 461-0634. We'll tell you all about it. Our roofs do last. Thanks,
7: folks. My name is Mickey Phelps and I'm the executive chef for Crown Cafe Catering. My famous crepe cakes, I actually won the award in San Francisco. There's an interesting story behind that because here's this little chef, comes all the way from England, makes this great Chopino on a Sunday afternoon, makes these great crepe cakes competing against these franciscans the next thing i know here i am crab cakes and chopino i won both awards in the same day and what makes them special i use real crab and of course some secret ingredients you know i have one special ingredient in there that i will never say what it is and i cook them right on the spot so they're fresh it's not something that i prepare ahead of time freeze them and say oh here we go everything is done fresh and i believe in fresh and local ingredients if you need to reach crown cafe and catering you can reach me on area code 831 566-1425. 566-1425. The phone is on 24-7, 365 days a year. So, please phone that number and I'll be more than happy to talk to you.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. Our guest today is American Patriot General Chuck Yeager. You talk a lot about your different experiences going all the way back from young childhood to uh to breaking the sound barrier. Now, I believe that in the past you've talked about being a life learner and having an insatiable thirst for knowledge. Can you speak to that for a moment?
3: Yeah, you you're right. Uh when all the time that I was growing up, uh, I remember I went into the first grade as a you know six year old kid, and uh, they thought I was a pretty bright little kid, so they skipped the second grade, grade and put me in the third grade, and uh, I didn't uh, <laughs> I I didn't uh, live up to their expectations, and when I actually got uh, into the fifth grade and discovered girls. Then I started making Fs, and <laughs> so to change my attitude.
2: <laughs> now, General, is it fair to blame girls for that?
3: No, I, I, I love them. <laughs> or I did then.
2: I don't know. Girls take the rap for a lot of things. I'm not sure we need to take the rap for your poor grades.
3: You sure? You're right about that. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I had other interests. I loved the hunt. I loved to fish. I spent... All of my spare time in the woods and in uh, working with nature, and uh, I I owned a rifle, twenty-two rifle, when I was six years old, and I used to hunt squirrels and rabbits and bring the meat home for, for mom to cook, and uh, that that actually was my young life.
2: And I would imagine that that taught you a great deal of self sufficiency and and built your confidence as a young man.
3: Yes. Yes, it did, and uh, you know you mentioned uh, capability. I was just gifted with as i mentioned, as we- t- discussed before with eyesight uh, coordination, but uh, enough foresight to you know watch out and not kill myself but and in prog- you know make progress just like breaking a sound barrier i you know they've been fooling around for a long time and uh, civilian pilots have been flying the X-1, well, they weren't doing any good. And uh, the Air Force finally took it over and gave it to me because I understood machinery. And the X-1 wouldn't kill you, but the systems would. So you had to be very careful. And uh,
2: You know, that's an interesting was- point that you make, that the X-1 was actually being flown in the commercial sector uh, and that they weren't actually making the progress that the military was hoping for, and so it ha- it, it, you know, eventually landed in, in your uh, lap for you to fly it. Um, it's interesting that it's sort of the other way around these days. Don't you find that uh, these, uh, I don't know, the pioneers and these inventions happen under military projects, and then they find their way into the commercial sector? It seems like it goes the other way around now.
3: Yeah, we have... And uh, most of the guys back in the X-1, there was a civilian pilot flying it. And uh, the military pilots weren't allowed to do research flying. And we, consequently, when he wanted $150,000 to break the sound barrier with the X-1, uh, and the Air Force voted back, said, hey, we haven't got that kind of money. Besides, our military pilots are as good as the civilian pilots so they gave the program to me. I was making $260 a month, and uh, I was successful because I was gifted probably in flying airplanes. So
2: you mean you didn't get the $150,000?
3: <laughs> okay, smarty. <laughs>
2: what happened to the
3: 150000 Well, he, he uh, the Air Force owed us back and said, we're not giving any money to somebody to fly the airplane.
2: (laughs) Well, the Air Force has changed quite a bit, haven't they? That $150,000 sounds like a bargain these days.
3: Yeah, I suppose so.
2: (laughs) Yes, they have. Now, in the, you know, continuing with the tradition of having an insatiable thirst for knowledge, I know that something that is near and dear to your heart and your wife's heart is the Chuck Yeager Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Hey, could I get Victoria to to explain it to you?
6: Absolutely.
3: She wants wants to. She loves to talk about
6: it. Hi. I I don't mean to intrude on this, but uh, we support the Marshall University Yeager Scholars, which is a four-year full scholarship leadership program. There's a semester at Oxford and an opportunity for a semester abroad. And they're, they do like diversity, so more applicants would be great. Uh, it's in Huntington, West Virginia, and there's a whatever uh, major you'd like to do is is good. We also support Young Eagles, which gets young kids flying, that gives them their first flight in in an airplane, so that they support aviation and what aviation does for this country. It changes the world of a lot of these kids, so it's it's really productive. And General Yeager was the chairman of it getting a million, over a million kids flying by 2003, December 17th, the 100th anniversary of the Wright Brothers' first flight. And then we have other little projects that we do as well. And by the way, the, the book In the Cockpit, it's done by a friend of ours, and she donates the profits to the Foundation.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Now, where can somebody go to get information about the Foundation and to submit applications?
6: Well, it's the General Chuck Yeager website chucker.com there's a link on there that says the foundation
2: okay and i've been to the i mean i've been to the website i have to say it's absolutely fantastic and i want to be sure the audience knows about it because there are regular articles and comments from the general posted there so again the website is chuckjager.com and then you also have a twitter address where people can send tweets is that right
6: yes she does yes it's uh, jen Chuck Yeager. You can spell it for them. But anyway, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay. And and before we let you go today, General, are there any other new records that you want to tell us about that are on the horizon? Because I don't want to open up the paper tomorrow and find out I've been scooped.
3: (laughs) That's not the right word. (laughs) No, you know, I've pretty well retired now and uh, i've been flying for a long time and i've been at the right place at the right time and that's been the secret to my success
2: are you still flying general
3: oh yeah i in fact uh, celebrating the anniversary of breaking the sound barrier it was a little bit of a story i i was aimed to go i broke the sound barrier at edwards air force base but i like f-15s so edwards didn't have any f-15s <laughs> at f-16s and 18s and things like that. So I called Nellis Air Force Base, the fighter weapons school, and said, could I borrow one of your F-15s? It's said, sure. So I went over there and borrowed the airplane and flew over to Edwards and made a sonic boom and took the airplane back. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <dead. laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: we're looking forward to hearing many more records being broken, and we look forward to uh, reading even more about you on your website again. That's ChuckJager.com. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have left today. But before we say goodbye, let me thank you on behalf of all Americans for your service to our country. Thank you, General.
3: Hey, thanks a lot. Really nice talking to you, Rebecca.
2: Very nice speaking with you, and please thank Victoria for helping us arrange this interview.
3: She's listening.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much, General. Yeah. If your station is leaving us after the first hour, on behalf of the team at the Costa Report, we want to wish you and your family a warm and safe Thanksgiving. It's time to put all the campaigning and divisiveness behind us. Come together around the table and be thankful for the freedoms and opportunities we enjoy each and every day. Look at the conditions around the world where tap water isn't safe to drink, where it's legal to attack women and children, where the penalty for having an opinion is death. And then take a moment to thank your lucky stars that you live here and that Sentinels in the United States Armed Forces stand ever watchful over your safety around the clock. And give thanks for those you love. And on that note, we'll end the first hour by saying that we look forward to seeing you right back here next week at the same time. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and you're listening to the Costa Report.
4: I'm Judy Profeta, owner, broker, and active real estate agent of Pennell Realtors, a locally owned real estate company. We've operated on the peninsula for over 16 years, currently located on the corner of Ocean and Dolores and Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. We serve the Monterey Peninsula, focusing on Carmel, Pebble Beach, and the Carmel Valley. Our firm of about 50 agents represents everything from Carmel Cottages to Pebble Beach Estates and Oceanfront Properties to Valley Vineyards. We are actually known for our vast inventory of fine properties. Drop by and see us, or better yet, visit our website at apr-carmel.com. That's apr-carmel.com. Or you can give us a call at 831 622 ten forty and make sure you tell them Judy sent me.
2: Coast Paper and Supply has been family owned and operated since nineteen forty eight. They have a wide array of products available, including brand name and eco-friendly cleaning supplies, paper goods and compostable plates, cups and cutlery. Whether your needs are for business or home, Coast Paper and Supplies friendly and reliable staff have what you're looking for. They even accommodate special orders. You can find them at one hundred fifty one Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz, Monday through Friday from eight AM to four thirty or call at 831-423-3350. Coast Paper and Supply is a proud member of Think Local First.
0: Michael Olson's third law of the food chain, cheap food isn't. They make food cheap by taking the food out of it and by making taxpayers subsidize its costs. Thus, the cheap food they promise is really the expensive food they deliver. To find true value, tune in KSEO Saturday at 9 a.m. as the Food Chain Radio Show tracks down the real deal of food. If you have a comment about the third law of the food chain, tell me. Michael Olson All About At MetroFarm.com. Now, see you all on KSCO Saturday 9 a.m. for some "What's Eating What?" radio on the food chain. What day was that?
1: From San Jose to Salinas, red-hot news talk. AM 1080 KSCO Santa Cruz.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.